Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewellery or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. Amen. Thanks, Benjamin. Um, And our actual text for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, So if you want to turn there now, Matthew chapter 22, uh, starting at verse 34. Matthew 22, starting at verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's, uh, let's pray together, shall we? Our Lord God, we thank you that we have this time now, uh, this place, um, to open up your word and to think about its importance for our lives. Our Lord God, we know that it's tempting to do this as a curiosity, to just want to know what you say. But Lord, we, we do desire that this is deeper and that you would use it, Lord, to shape our hearts and our lives. So Lord, we pray for the work of your spirit, that he would be the one who speaks to us and teaches us and changes us this morning. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, over the last uh, about six weeks, we have done an easy kind of series uh, called Got Questions where we have wrestled with uh, some, of the, some of the more difficult things that we as followers of Jesus wrestle with and struggle with uh, in the 21st century in Australia. Uh, and we've done all the easy ones over the last few weeks, and today we're going to do the really hard one. Um, in there, uh, we are going to deal with dating or Christian relationships. And I'm probably going to avoid the word dating because it's so outdated, Um, and probably talk more about relationships this morning. And when I talk about that, you you know that I'm sort of talking about the boyfriend-girlfriend type thing. Now, you might be sitting there saying, why on earth do I need to hear that? Uh, You might be saying, well, look, I'm 10 years old. Girls, boys, one day this might come in handy. Uh, You might be sitting there saying, well... I'm already married. I don't know whether I really need this. Well, 
one day uh, you may have children uh, who may be facing this phase of life. You may be saying, well, I've had my kids. They're gone. Well, one day you might be a mentor to someone who is going through this, and they will ask you, what do I do about this relationship? And so, in a way, this is, yes, for younger people, and I've spotted you all, and I will stare at you uh, as I am preaching. You will love it. But for all of us, we want to make sure that we are people who can give good encouragement and good advice, wise advice to others. Now, often when we think about the progression from singleness to marriage, we think of it something along the lines of this. Uh, Being single is the time for me. It's the time to be selfish, do all the things that I want to do, have the fun that I want to have, flirt without a lot of accountability, uh, have a good time. Uh, Dating, then, is the time of try before you buy. This is a time to figure out uh, who's really going to suit me the best. It's like buying a new pair of jeans. You go into the store, you try a few pairs on, uh, you want something that's you know, not too expensive, doesn't make your bum look too big. Um, it's kind of fits snug and right, and that's the pair that you're going to buy. And that's how sometimes we view dating, relationships. Try a few on, uh, get to know a few guys, a few girls, see which one suits us the best. Engagement, we say. Well, that's the time to start preparing for a marriage. That's the time where I'm going to get serious about marriage. Although what often happens is that that gets lost uh, in the planning of a wedding. (laughs) All of the focus goes into planning a wedding day. And so what sometimes happens is we wake up married one day and we really don't know what marriage is and what it's for. And I want to suggest that we need to change the way that we look at that whole progression. We need a different paradigm, a different way of looking at singleness, at dating, and at marriage. Because I want to suggest that the type of single person that we are shapes the kind of married person that we become. If we are single and selfish and flirtatious, all about ourselves, it's very hard then to become another person focused all of a sudden in marriage. If we think that dating is try before you buy, a matter of uh, playing the field, uh, seeing what suits us best, we'll find it very difficult to be committed to one single person in our marriage. If we think that our engagement is all about planning for a wedding day, we will get a rude shock when we wake up committed to someone for the rest of our lives, and yet we haven't learnt yet how to love them. One of our problems is that when it, when it comes to God and the Bible, we, we tend to think that it's kind of a, irrelevant when it comes to these sort of guy-girl relationships. We sh- No, sure, God, God has some things to say. Uh, he has some do's and don'ts, particularly when it comes to physical intimacy. We know what God says there. But when it comes to dating, we think it's a little irrelevant because because it's true that the Bible is written in a time where, where many marriages were actually arranged. Uh, mums and dads sorted out the details, swapped the goods, uh, and boom, you had a marriage partner. And 
I look around at some parents and think, you might like that if that was still the case, but it's not. So does the Bible have anything to say about dating, about relationships? I'm going to say it, Jess, that it does. Because the God who is the author of the Bible, the God who gives us his word here, is the same God who created us. He's the God who made us in his image. He knows how this thing called life works, and he knows what makes it work the best. He knows how life is meant to function. He knows the best priorities for us to have, which will shape every single part of our lives. That's why I've chosen this morning this passage from Matthew 22. Because Jesus in here has asked the question, what's the most important thing in life? And he gives that answer, doesn't he? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So basically, I want to have a look this morning at these two commandments, these two priorities that Jesus calls us to have. And we're going to think about how dating and relationships fits within them. So let's start with the first one there. It's in verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the highest priority that you can have and should have, the number one thing in your life, the ultimate goal, the very best thing for you is to love your God. And to love him completely. It's to love him and want to love him more. It's to know him and to want to know him more. It's to serve him and want to serve him more. It's to have God as the object of our dreams and desires. It's to have God occupying the first place in our minds and everything else comes a distant second. For the whole of our lives, this has got to take priority. And it doesn't matter whether you're 3 or you're 13 or you're 33 or 103. This has got to be the number one thing in our lives. And everything else, all other relationships, romantic or not, have got to fit under that. And they've got to take a distant second place. The problem is, when we're growing up, is that we're often bombarded with this idea that the most important thing in your life has got to be and is going to be your marriage partner. And the most important decision you'll have to make in your life is who that is going to be. And so what we are bombarded with is these ideas that the most important thing for you as a young person is to be a dateable person. Somebody who someone from the opposite sex will find attractive, will find irresistible, couldn't help themselves if they tried to, but to like you and want to go out with you. And so what happens? Well, guys... Guys get serious about how they come across to people of the opposite sex, to girls. A guy might get a haircut and a real job. He plays sport. 
He uses an overabundance of hair product. He dresses neatly or dresses down whatever he thinks is going to work. He gets a job and he buys a car and he tries to do all these things that's going to be impressive to the girl of his dreams. And what does the girl do? Well, the pressure on her is absolutely enormous to be someone that someone of the opposite sex will find attractive. And so she goes on a crash diet, colors her hair. Tops and skirts get higher and lower depending on the fashion and what we're talking about. She giggles, she flirts, she says silly things that are probably embarrassing, but all in the hope that this is going to snag uh, some guy of her dreams who's going to find her attractive. And there's all this time spent on being a dateable person who's got time for God. So what happens when one projection starts to go out with another projection? Well, both of them enter absolutely terrified that they'll be found out for the frauds that they actually are. Both of them spend all this time continuing to project an image to make sure they're not doing anything that's going to turn the other one off and turn them away. And so they spend all this time together. They might push physical boundaries. They'll invest all of this emotional energy into the relationship. Who's got time to invest into loving God when you've got to invest into another person? And if they break up, well, they are both absolutely devastated because all of the energy all of the desire, all of the effort has gone into this relationship. And there's nothing to fall back on because God is no longer on the scene. Now, now we were made, we were made for relationships. Don't get me wrong. We are made to love other people and we are made for other people to love us in return. That's the way God designed it. And it's a, a wonderful thing. But the greatest love that we are created for, the highest love that we are made for, is a relationship with our Creator, with with the God who made us. He's made that sort of living, loving relationship possible in Jesus. He's done everything for it. He's lovingly given His Son so that we could know Him back. And He wants us to have that as the number one, the highest priorities in our lives. If that is missing, no human relationship will ever make up for it. If that's not there, there will be a gaping hole which we will keep trying to fill with everyone and everything else. It'll feel like it's working for a while. That friendship, that companionship, that intimacy, that emotional connection, that physical connection, it'll feel like it's filling it. But over time, that hole will seem bigger and bigger. And we'll just have to try and fill it with more and more. God's saying here, the very most important, absolutely essential thing for you is to love God with everything that you have. 
and everything else takes second place. What does this mean for our relationships? For, for, for dating, guy, girl. It means that whether we're single, going out, breaking up, engaged, married, or other, this is our number one priority. This is our number one focus. If you want to be a dateable person, according to God, love him first. Have him as your highest dream and your ambition. If you want to invest into your marriage as a single person before you've even met someone, invest in knowing and loving God. If you want to make your dating relationship work, work on it before you're even going out by knowing and loving God through Jesus. Your future wife or your future husband, your children will thank you for it. It means that until, unless this is number one spot in our lives, we are not ready for relationships yet. Until this is our number one priority, and until we can see that it would remain our number one priority, we're not ready for relationships yet. Number one thing, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Second thing that he goes on to say is like it. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second priority that we are to have over all of our lives is to love another person uh, like we would love ourselves. Of course, this is wider than just dating and marriages. This, this applies to everyone, but it most definitely applies to dating, to relationships, and to marriage. We are to love another person. We are to serve another person. We are to give ourselves fully for the benefit of another person. Jesus is not talking about just a fluttering of eyes and a, and, a, and a fluttering of hearts here. He's not just talking about a feeling. He's talking about a deep-seated commitment to another person that wants what is absolutely best for them. The second highest priority Jesus says that we can have is to absolutely want and work for what is best in another person. Well, what is best for them? Begs the question, doesn't it? Is it that I simply uh, do everything for them? Is that what is best for another person? Is that what love is? Uh, do I uh, put myself to their every will and their every whim and do exactly what they tell me to do all of the time? Is, is that what it is to love another person? Well, no. Jesus just told us what is best for us. Jesus has told us that it's best for us to love him. That is best for me, and that is best for you too. To love somebody else is to want what is best for them, which is wanting them to see them grow and love God more. It's to serve them and love them and work for them so that they might grow to love God. Jesus more. This is what makes 
Christian dating so unlike any other sort of dating and relationships that we will see going on around us. This is what makes all the other advice kind of awful and scary and sometimes downright hurtful. Dating is not about try before you buy. Dating is not about what I can get out of it or what I need from you. Dating is not even just me being a good friend and a support to you. Dating, as it, at its heart, at its guts, is a commitment to see you grow to love Jesus more. A number of years ago, it's quite an old movie now. I'm not sure if anybody, anybody's seen it. There's a movie that came out called Jerry Maguire. Anybody nodding, seen Jerry Maguire? The movie. There's a scene towards the end of that movie where uh, Tom Cruise's character uh, is trying to get Renee Zellweger's character back uh, in his life. And uh, he bursts into a support group that she's having. And he says something to her that he's heard earlier on in the movie. And he's convinced, and it actually works, that's going to get her back. He says to her the line, you complete me. Oh, isn't it nice? You complete me. And, you know, we're, we're all, the girls are all crying and the Kleenex is coming out. And actually, I, I, I tossed up whether to mention this. The same line was used in the Bachelorette final on Thursday night. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't want to use it because it makes it sound like I was watching the whole series, which I wasn't. I watched it a very little bit for research. Uh, and it just happened to be this. She says, I don't even, what's the guy's name that won? This is going to be embarrassing if you met call out. No one's willing to admit it. Is it Lee? Was it Lee? Yeah. She says to Lee, uh, as she stares up in his eyes, uh, I came on this journey looking for someone to complete me, and I found it. Oh, isn't that nice? Rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. <laughs> Why is that? It actually makes relationships all about me. You complete me. You make me feel better. You make my life full. It actually absolutely goes against the heart of Christian relationships, which is not about me. It's about you. It's about me serving you, encouraging you, praying for you, praying with you, reading the Bible with you, us growing together as disciples, as followers of Jesus. That's at the very core, at the very heart of Christian relationships. Now, this is, of course, not to say that Clinton's a killjoy. There's no room for romance. Of course there is. Romance is good. Romance is great. There's got to be romance. And there's lots of fun and having laughs and hanging out and spending time to each, with each other. But all of that is empty if it doesn't have the key ingredient to Christian relationships. And that's following and encouraging each other to follow Jesus together. That's what it is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now, I want to suggest that with these, these two priorities that Jesus gives us, love for God and love for our neighbor, we actually now have a framework to ask some of those more difficult questions that we ask about dating and relationships. 
we've got a, a way to evaluate some of those things that we wrestle with. Does this love God? Does this mean that God is number one priority in my life? And will he stay number one priority in my life? And does it love another person? Does it encourage them to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? If we can answer yes to those things, then we've got a cautious go-ahead that it fits in Christian dating and relationships. All right, I'm going to put it to the test three different, three different ways. All right, here we go. Uh, number one, uh, am I ready? Am I ready for this sort of relationship? Am I ready to start going out with someone? Well, let's ask our two priority questions. Do I love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind? Is he the number one priority in my life? We've got to evaluate ourselves. We've got to examine ourselves. Am I actually loving God? Do I desire to know him more and to serve him more? Is that the best thing in my life? And not only that, will it remain so if I go into a relationship? Or will God just get pushed aside and I'll be all about the new relationship that I'm in? We've got to ask ourselves a hard question. Secondly, we've got to ask ourselves, am I willing to love this person, to love someone as I love myself? Am I going into this wanting and desiring to see another person grow to love Jesus more? Or am I just doing it because everyone else is? Or I'm scared I'm going to get left on the shelf? Or I'd like a bit of action on the weekend? If we can answer yes to those two questions, if we can say, yes, I love God, I'm in a place where I'm ready to love another person, then we have a cautious go-ahead, we're ready for a relationship. All right, that's the first question. The second one, should I go out with this person? I've managed to find someone who actually seems to like me back. Uh, should I go out with them? Should I get into a relationship with that person? Ask our two questions. Love for God, love for my neighbor. We've asked the question of those that of ourselves, haven't we? We said, yes, I'm ready, I'm in a place, I'm ready to go. We not only need to ask that of ourselves, we need to ask that of this person as well and our relationship. Does this person love God with all their heart and with all their mind and with all their soul? Does Jesus occupy the number one spot in their life? Because their relationship with God will have an impact on me and our relationship together. This will shape the way that we go out together. Can they and will they love me as they love themselves? Will they encourage me and walk beside me to grow as a follower of Jesus? Or will they take me away from that? Their faith and their encouragement will have an impact on our lives. This is why I'm going to suggest, this is why I'm going to say, suggest, that dating someone who doesn't follow Jesus doesn't fit within the realms of Christian dating. Because they, they don't love God with all their heart and their soul and their mind. And they are not in a position to encourage us as a follower of Jesus. Now, 
you and I, we can, we can point to times when, when those sort of relationships have got together and maybe some of us have even been in that position. You know, one party wasn't a believer and God blessed that and it worked out. Praise God. He is wonderfully faithful. But he hasn't done that because we've done the right thing. He's done that in spite of our weaknesses and in spite of our failings. That's why I'm also going to suggest that it doesn't work to carry on a relationship that you don't see moving towards its proper end, which is marriage. If we find ourselves in a position that we see a relationship forming and we think it's not going to go to marriage or we're in a relationship we think it's not going to go towards marriage, we're not going to get married at the end of it, that is the time to not start or to not form a relationship. If we love that person, right? We want what is best for them. We want them to see us grow as a disciple of Jesus. Then us being in a relationship with them is going to lead them into believing something that is not true. We are writing checks with our body that our mind is not willing to cash. We are emotionally engaging someone in somewhat of a lie. And so it doesn't have a place in Christian dating. All right, we're nearly out of time. Oh, yeah, we'll do the third one very briefly. All right, third question that we might ask of our relationships. Physical intimacy, how far can we go? This, is, this could be a whole other sermon, and maybe one day it will be. When we do got more questions next year, you can ask this one. We'll deal with that in greater detail. We've got some evaluative questions to ask now, don't we, of physical intimacy inside a dating relationship. Firstly, does this activity, do these actions, do they demonstrate love for God, that we hold him as number one in our lives? Does this action show that we love Jesus with everything that we have? Does this action show that we're willing to obey him even when it's difficult, even when it hurts? Now, we know, well, most of us or many of us will, will, will say, well, we know that the Bible says uh, no to sex before marriage. The questions that we often ask then are about not sex itself, but everything up that leads to it. Does this have a place in Christian relationships? Well, God hasn't given us a list of do's and don'ts. Might have been nice if he did. He hasn't given us an anatomy lesson with can touch, can't touch. Hasn't sort of said you can kiss for three minutes beyond that it's sin. None of that is there. But he has talked about our motives. He does talk about what we desire and what's in our hearts. Here's where the second question comes in. Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Will this action or activity encourage my boyfriend, girlfriend to grow towards maturity in Christ? If we are engaging in something purely for self-gratification reasons, we're not demonstrating love at all. This is all about me and what I can get out of it and what I'm feeling for you. If we're engaging in something because we want to draw the other person in closer so that we can feel more secure in the relationship, then again, it's all about me and not love for you. 
if we're doing something which just heaps guilt upon and upon and upon another person, then we're not encouraging them to grow as a disciple of Jesus. If we're arousing desires and longings, which can only rightfully be fulfilled within a marriage, then we're not loving another person towards maturity in Christ. So often when we talk about the physical intimacy side of a relationship, we are trying to ask the question, well, how far can I go? How far can I go before I fall off the edge and I I fall into sin? I want to suggest that when we're doing that, we're asking the wrong question. The question we should be asking is, what should I be doing that shows that I love you, that I want you to grow as a disciple of Jesus? What can we do together that encourages one another in our relationship with God? Uh, If you've got more questions, I have books. uh, I can lend you uh, lots more information uh, in there. And uh, you can go uh, from there uh, on your own, or we can do a whole other sermon on it um, sometime. Now, look, maybe this has put a whole lot of weight uh, on, on us that maybe we didn't really expect from the sermon today. I want to suggest that it's not, this is not designed to put weight and burden on us. God wants us to have these priorities because he loves us. And he knows what is best for us. And he knows what it is that enables us to experience freedom as his followers. And that freedom comes as we love him and we know him and we know forgiveness that comes from him. And that freedom comes as we see another person as someone to encourage and to love towards maturity in Christ. Let's pray together and for each other, shall we? Lord God, we want to thank you that you have loved us um, so deeply in Jesus. We thank you that you have made us for a relationship with yourself and that you've given us that um, through Jesus and his work on the cross. We thank you that you have filled that massive hole in our lives, that you have completed us uh, through Jesus. And we thank you that we don't need to, to drag that or suck that from somebody else now. We pray, Lord God, that our relationships with each other whether they be friendships, marriages, dating relationships, whatever they are, Lord, we pray that they would be relationships of love. Where we serve one another and we honestly desire to see one another grow to maturity in Christ. Lord, we can only do that as you work within us. So we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to... uh...